So um, there's this girl named Jackie. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. And Jackie is, um, you know, she's a very ordinary person. Jackie is uh, from a little town called El Centro, California. Uh, nothing special about the town, kind of out in the middle of the desert. Um, Jackie's uh, uh, came to San Diego State, uh, not known for its academic prowess through the nation. Um, and, uh, she, you know, she's just, she would call herself a very average. She's Latina from, she's the first generation to be going to college. Um, and she would just, by her own admission, say she's a very average, she's a very soft-spoken girl. And, um, but God's been doing extraordinary things through Jackie lately. She, um, in her job this past semester, she's led 10 of her, uh, 10 people to the Lord. Um, job. that's pretty good, pretty good, you know, several months. Um, she, she, um, she's been doing some deliverance from, from demons, um, at her work as well. And, um, so she's delivering some people. And then, uh, an, another interesting thing is there was a grandmother of, of one of the, she works at a, uh, children's home. And so, um, one of the grandmothers came to visit the kids, and this grandmother uh, was blind. And she said, you know, our church, we believe in miracles. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And so this grandmother says, okay. And so she prays for the grandmother, and nothing happens. Well, three days later, the young man comes up, and he's like, Jackie, I have to tell you, my grandmother is starting to see shapes and colors. Now, that's a good day. Um, you, can, you can clap if you want. Um, and so... You know, we're just like, wow, God's really using Jackie. Well, the other day she's walking down the street, and she just feels like the Spirit is leading her into this Vietnamese nail salon. And so she walks in, and she goes up to the manager and says, would you mind if I told everyone in here, because it was packed, you know, all the, all the women, and they're doing the nails, and there's, you know, there's all the little nailish people. I don't know what you call them. And... Um, and then all the people getting their nails done. And so she goes up and she says, would you mind if I share a message about Jesus in your store? And the manager looks at her and she's, I mean, I'm sure she's like, what does that mean? Sure. And so Jackie goes, excuse me, everybody, excuse me, gets the whole store's attention. Um, now, they kept doing their nails, but most people are looking up at her. And she goes, she starts at Adam and Eve in creation, walks through the whole Bible to end with the story of Jesus, his death on the cross and his resurrection and then gives an altar call in a nail salon. And she goes, so if there's anyone in here that would like to commit their life to Jesus Christ, would you please raise your hand? And she looks, and the manager is standing right here looking at her. So she, okay, and so she turns, she prays with the manager of the nail salon to give her life to Jesus. And you guys know Asian culture, it, you know, it's, it's uh, a very, especially because these guys, you know, are, are, are pretty much straight over from Vietnam. There's a huge reverence for their authority. So we're like, what an opportunity now for every person in this nail salon to hear about Jesus. Now, this is an amazing story. But I, what I want to say is when the wind of God starts to blow, extraordinary things start being done through very ordinary people. And I want to tell you, something happened to Jackie before her life took this massive turn, and that's what we're going to talk about 
tonight. I want to start by looking at a biblical character because I want you to know that this is what God has for you. And we know that, that all scripture are profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness. So I want you to see that this is actually a biblical model so that you can say what's going on through Jackie, this very average and ordinary girl, can happen through me. And I want to talk about this biblical character, and his name was Simon. His name was Simon. The first time you see him, you can turn with me in your Bible. I'm just going to read a very simple scripture starting in Mark chapter 1, verse 16. And we're just going to look at Simon, some of Simon's life. But it starts with Mark chapter 1, 16. It's the very beginning of this gospel. And it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Here's the amazing thing. This is the first person we see Jesus calling. And what I love about this story is how ordinary Simon was. Simon had a very, very ordinary job. He was not this scholar. He was not a theologian. He was not a priest. He was not an attorney or a doctor. He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't a, a wealthy businessman. He wasn't even a scrappy entrepreneur. He was just a very ordinary, working with his hands, fisherman. And he wasn't like the captain of the fishermen. It just says he was throwing out a net. He was like the dude just using his hands, throwing out a net. And I don't know about you in this room, but I think a lot of us feel very ordinary, right? You, you think, and, and I bet a lot of you really feel that way in Boston where you have some of these amazing schools. Some of you guys go to these amazing schools, right? And some of you are like, man, I'm in the city where there are all these amazing schools and I'm not going to one of these amazing schools. And I feel really ordinary. That's how I feel when I come to Boston. The amazing thing is the first person that, that Jesus called to be a disciple was a very ordinary guy. Right? He was just a guy working with his hands. Just the, 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 I don't even, even know if he'd be a plumber today. I've been in a lot of countries, and you don't walk or you know, you... You see, you know, kind of the noble people walking around in their sleek costumes, and then you kind of walk out, and there's the guys just in their shorts, and they're, you know, all weathered, and those are the fishermen, and you're not like, woo, fishermen. You know, we kind of get into things in the Bible, and we're like, oh, fisher to be a fisherman is to be, you know, godly. It's just, it's just kind of a, you know, a rough, I'm sorry, Joe, I know you were a fisherman. You were a captain of a ship, though. This guy had a little, you know, just throwing out his net, <laughs> throwing out his nets. Here's, here's the point. God loves to use ordinary people. For me, you know, I was, a, I was a musician, but I wasn't a good musician. I couldn't play an instrument, you know? So what kind of musician can't play an instrument, right? I just kind of faked my way through music, right? I was an athlete, you know, ooh, stud athlete. I got hurt in junior high. I never went on. So, you know, ooh, you were a seventh grade quarterback. Whoa, whoa, you know? <clears throat> Real impressive, you know? All these, I, there was, so many of us is what I'm trying to say, is this feels so ordinary and so we're like, we'll never be the one that's used by God. And yet God chose this fisherman. Now, let's just keep moving because you probably think, well, but Peter, he had something special inside. You know, oh, I know the story, Robert. You know, God chooses these people when they have these special hearts, Right? And you're thinking, well, Peter must have been like Mary, right? You know, we know that Mary was as pure and set apart. 
Have you ever really thought about Peter's life? Let me just walk you through some of the things that Peter, Peter did. Okay, first of all, he struggled with anger. Right? So he was, he was real rash. He struggled with anger. He's always saying stupid stuff. Here, here's, an, here's an issue. He actually, you know, he, he, he actually rebuked Jesus. There's a dumb, dumb idea. Okay, how about rebuking the one who wrote the Bible? That's pretty dumb. Um, he struggled with comparison. Well, you know, Peter must have this pure heart. No, he was always struggling with comparison. He's like, you know, well, what about this guy? Well, what about this guy? He dealt, how about this? Okay, who, who, all, has, who all has dealt with selfish ambition in this room? Okay, that's some of us. There's, you know, 15 people that just raised their hand. <clears throat> the rest of you are selfish. You're like, I could never be bold enough to raise my hand. That's funny. That's selfish ambition. Um, you know, he's dealing with all these issues of his heart. He's dealing with selfish ambition. He's dealing with comparison. He's dealing with anger. Let me see if I, I wrote some other ones down. He dealt with pride. He's arguing with disciples about who's going to be the best. He dealt with, uh, here's, a, here's one. He couldn't stay awake to pray. Anybody in here can't stay awake long enough? You start praying. I can't tell you how many drool puddles I've had on my Bible before. Just these bit, you know, I just fall asleep, boom, my head's in my Bible. Just sleeping in my Bible. So, you know, we're thinking, well, Peter must have been so awesome. He wanted to be seen as impressive. He dealt with the fear of man. Okay, anyone have the fear of man in here? You know, you hear about these people that are boldly sharing the gospel, and you're like, oh, I could never do that. Peter ran away from a little teenage girl. She's like, you're with Jesus. He's like, no, I'm not, and runs away. What I'm trying to say today is that Peter wasn't this, you know, stud Christian guy, right? Then he goes so far as to betray Jesus. So he turns his back and betrays on him. And then he deserts Jesus. There were a few people still at the cross with Jesus, but not Peter. He had deserted Jesus. Not your picture of who you think God's going to select. Not only did he not look impressive and have the talent, you know, he wasn't wailing on his electric heart for whatever. Not only was he, you know, was he not the pure-hearted, oh, his head's on Jesus' chest, instead of he's walking around telling guys how awesome he thinks he is. He doesn't understand theology. Jesus is transfigured on a mountain. Elijah's there. Moses is there. And Peter's not like, oh, I see the glory of God. Instead, he's like, can we build a shrine here? We'll start like a cult up on top. I mean, the guy's just, he's just messed up, right? He runs when a little girl accuses him. He betrays Jesus. He deserts Jesus. That's the, that's the Peter we see in the Gospels, right? But then what happens? We turn to the next book after the Gospels, in the book of Acts, and all of a sudden, everything changes. And here's the one quality I see in Peter's life that I believe set him up to be chosen by God. He was hungry. He was hungry. He was hungry for God. And this is, this is how I know it. He sees Jesus out walking on the water. And he's like, ah, I've got to do it. Can I do it? He jumps out. He, he lacked faith, so he sunk. But I think Jesus is like, that's my boy. <laughs> uh, he's thinking, I'm not going to let him die. Okay, come on up. He, he sees, you know, he betrays Jesus. He walks away from Jesus. Jesus shows back up again. 
boom, he jumps back in the water. He's swimming towards him. He's running towards him. Jesus, Jesus loved him because he was so hungry. He was so hungry. I want to look tonight at what Jesus did in Peter's life because there was something that happened to this hungry guy. There was something because of his hunger that happened to him that changed this betrayer, this selfish, this prideful, this arrogant, this foot-in-your-mouth kind of ordinary guy. It changed him into someone who would be used mightily by God. And I want you to now turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I should hear a lot more rustling than I'm hearing. I think some people are just wrestling now. Now here, here's what happens. Jesus dies. And he's raised again. And I'm just going to take you back to something that happened in John chapter 20, 21. But we're not going to put it up. But you can write it down if you're taking notes and you want to study. Jesus appears to the disciples. And he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And what happened there, there and then is what we read about in Ephesians 4.30. You can also write down that scripture. The disciples were sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit took up residence in their heart. They were what John chapter 3 says is born again. The Holy Spirit was now living inside of them. But now Jesus is going to say something else to them. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And I want you to look at this with me because this is the whole crux of our message tonight. This is my theory on why Peter got so radically transformed. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, that's Jesus, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be baptized? Baptized is from the Greek word baptizo, which means to be submerged, drenched, or completely consumed by. And Jesus was saying this, guys, the Holy Spirit has come and lived inside of you. And you were born again. But now it's time to get drenched. It's time for the Holy Spirit to be all over you. Why? Because you'll see it in Acts 1.8. Look with me now at Acts 1.8. This is why. It's going to explain this. But you will receive power. Say power. power. Say power. power. Now say it like you mean it. Power. power. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When are you going to receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Exactly. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. Peter really struggled with being a witness. He was a lousy witness. He couldn't witness to a teenage girl. But you'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And if you're anything like me sitting out there tonight, you're going, ooh, this guy's weird. I've heard about these people that talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they're weird. And that's what I thought. I was the perfect little religious boy. Actually, I wasn't a perfect little religious boy because religion was really boring for me. But I looked like a perfect little religious boy. I went to church, 
and we sing our songs, and I wore my suit, and I learned about what to do and what not to do in church. And some of you have heard my story before. But here's what happened to me, and this was my problem. I got hungry for a real relationship with God. And I want to tell you, when you get hungry, it gets dangerous. When you get hungry, it gets dangerous because you never know what God's going to do. And I started getting hungry, and I was in college. I was 18 years old, and I was like, I want more of God. So I went to this guy and asked him to disciple me. He was a pastor of my first Baptist church youth group. And I was so excited, and I was thinking, you know, we're going we're gonna to get in there, and we're going to talk about passion, and we're going to talk about power. And, and he hands me a book called Celebration of Discipline. Wah, wah. I was like, are you kidding me? Discipline? There's no celebrating discipline. There's no celebration about discipline. I was like, I'm, what in the world? Is this a big book about spanking? I didn't, know, I didn't even know what discipline was, right? Celebration of discipline. And what we do is we, it starts going through. It's like solitude, simplicity. And I'm like, you know, looking at the titles. But I'm like, okay, dude, I'll read this book. And, and we get to this chapter on prayer. And he said, here's what I want you to do. His name is Chris. He goes, here's what I want you to do, Robert. We're going to read a chapter, and then we're going to do what it says. So, you know, I read a couple of chapters, and I'm like, oh, this is somewhat interesting. I get to the chapter on prayer, and it talks about this old Quaker exercise. And it said, what you're going to do is you're going to sit down and start just focusing on Jesus. And then you're going to turn your hands this way and just say, I release all the, all the sins. And it, say, it said, confess the sin. So I was like... I just confess lust, and I, I just say I don't want any more of it in my life, and I'm, I repent of it. And I confess my pride, and I don't want any more of it, and I repent, and I turn away from that. And then it said, then after each sin, then open your hands and breathe in deeply. Some people call this spiritual breathing. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, wrote a big track called Spiritual Breathing. He, he just quoted the same Quaker exercise. Breathe in and say, now fill me, Holy Spirit. So, one night, I'm in my parents' formal living room, sitting in a gold leaf chair. <laughs> Downstairs, I turn the lights off to, to help me focus, because I'm so ADD sometimes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm in the chair, and I'm going, okay, Lord, I just confess. You know, and I'm confessing those things I was telling you. Lord, I confess, you know, my pride. I confess lust, and all the lustful thoughts. And, and I'm doing that, and then I turn my hands over, I'm like, and I just breathe in the Holy Spirit to fill me in that place. And I'm doing that for a few things, and I just continue to exhale and repent of the sin and inhale and take a deep breath and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me. And then it happened. I start feeling this heat and this kind of electricity start going from the top of my head, and I'm like, uh-oh. And it starts going through me, and then I just kind of feel this warm sensation. And I'm like, oh, no, this is really weird. It felt good, and I was like, the only time I've ever felt something good with my body, I was doing something bad. <laughs> so I keep praying, and I'm like, so, Lord, I just repented this, and <laughs> I'm breathing in, and fill me with the Holy Spirit. I, and I'm talking, and all of a sudden, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. and I lose control of my mouth now. And all of a sudden, I'm, blah, 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 blah. and I'm like, oh, and I go, oh, 
I jump up out of the chair. I run upstairs. I dive in bed. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. I was doing something wrong. I went, something's taking over me. I start repenting of saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I was opening myself up to dark things. And then, but I'm thinking, wait a second. I was asking the Holy Spirit to take over. I was asking him to fill me. But I, I had no grid for this powerful, dynamic, awesome feeling experience. I mean, I've thought, you know, like, this is what I thought about Christianity. I thought, like, good thing, things that feel good, bad. Religion that feels bad, good. That was, I don't know, that was what I thought. So the next day I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to clear this up. I'm going to go talk to Chris. So Chris is kind of, he's kind of this jovial fellow, you know, he's kind of just working in his office. <laughs> and I walk in, I sit down, and, and he can tell, like, you know, there's a big weight on me. And I was like, I shut the door, you know, because I'm in, a, in, in this traditional Baptist church. And I'm like, Chris, I've got to talk to you about something. I was like, so I'm doing this exercise. And I was like, have you ever been praying? And you start feeling like this ecstatic feeling. And you start feeling power. And you start kind of losing control of what you're saying. And you start, and he goes... Nope. And I went, okay. And I jump up and I walk out. And for three years, I never experienced something like that again because I shut it down. So that can't be from God. I continued to be more and more frustrated with my relationship with God. And I was so hungry. I was so hungry to know God, but I was like, how can I know God? It just seems some, like some distant mental idea that I'm trying to grasp, and I just want to have a close relationship, but it's like, what do I just try to think more? Do I just try to grapple more, just read more books? And, and, and why is it He make me have joy and and really walk in peace. And what about all these things that are happening in the Bible? Why aren't they happening in my life? And many of you guys have heard this story, but then I heard about this trip going down to Juarez, Mexico. And, you know, I get down there, and these people are weird. You know, and they're, they're lifting their hands to the Lord. That was really offensive to me. And, and, and they're, they're, they're dancing around. You know, and I like to dance at like a party, but in church, you know, that's weird. You know, I don't know why those don't, but, but the pastor's talking about how 90% of church growth worldwide is through people who experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and are walking in the gifts of the Spirit. And he's talking about these miracles that are happening all over the world. And, and, and I'm just like, okay, that's really weird, but I really want that. I really don't like what you're saying, but I really want it. You know, and I'm judging myself. I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know, this. And I might talk about it more, and I think I talked about it last time I was here, but when he gave that call and said, if you are wanting more and you're willing to just humble yourself, come forward. I was the first one down. I was sitting on the back row because I was like Joe fraternity guy, you know. Like, I'll sit with you guys, but I'm too cool for school. When he gave that, I ran down front. I got on my knees, and I just start crying, weeping, 
you know, and I'm starting to judge myself for being so emotional, you know, and then I start shaking, and I'm like, oh, no, no, not one of those guys, you know, and um, I could tell you more about it, but here's the fruit of what happened to me. I had shared with people about Jesus before. You know, growing up a Christian, I knew that I was going to heaven, and I knew my friends that didn't know Jesus were going to hell, and that bothered me. It bothered me. I wasn't, like, broken for them, but I didn't want my friends to go to hell, so I would tell them, hey, you're going to go to hell. It didn't go over that well with them. It didn't really make me really popular with them. And especially because they were like, well, who are you to judge? You're doing the exact same things on Friday night with us. And we know that girl that you were with and what you were doing with her. And I was this. And so I never, I told people about Jesus and it just made them angry. And, and they didn't like me and they just thought, you're a hypocrite. And they were totally right. So I told people about Jesus. No one ever got saved. I prayed for things. None of them ever happened. That day that I'm on the floor, and I'm a snot cake, and the power of God is hitting me, and um, I've told this story, but I've got to just tell you again. While I'm on the floor and, and, and shaking, this fiery little Asian woman comes up to me, lays her hand on my back, and says, He's a self-made man, Lord! And I'm like, I know! I know! I, you know and I'm thinking, this is just straight out of the Old Testament. A prophet would say something, and a person would get struck dead. I'm about to get struck dead right now. And when she starts saying that, my, I went from the nice, gentle shaking, like, oh, maybe he's had a little too much caffeine, to the, that guy has his finger in an electric socket and can't get out. You know, I'm like, ah! and, and And she, the power of God's on this woman. So it wasn't this gentle ministry time where her hand's on my back. She's going, whack, whack, whack. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Just, some of you are really freaked out right now. We have a great pastoral staff here that will be answering your questions and taking care of you. I'm just a traveling speaker from California. After that happened... I'd shared, I mean, I'd been out in Mexico sharing with people, and I'd heard about all the people getting saved, and no one was getting saved when I was sharing. You know, I thought, well, Mexico, you know, is like the frozen duck pond, where ducks are just frozen there, and you just boom, 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 and people get saved, and that wasn't happening when I shared. And I thought, you know, it's just like the magical world of healing in Mexico, because I'd heard about all these healings, and I prayed for people, and nothing was happening, be healed. You know, nothing. They'd be like, no. Mas mejor? No. Dang it. I went out on the streets after that happened and started sharing. People were like, you know, do you want Jesus? See? Do you want Jesus? See? Over and over and over, people start getting saved. And then I've shared with, I think, the last world mandate, that powerful healing where this guy's stomach starts contorting in and out and his back starts snapping and he's lifting his hands and he's weeping because he's healed. He says, after 20 years, I'm healed. And I'm like, oh my goodness. 
This is amazing. Look at Peter's life with me for a second, would you? So here's what happens in Acts chapter 2. Because if, in case you're thinking, Robert, this is really, really weird. I want to tell you the Bible's really weird. And I mean that with utmost respect. Listen to what Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4 says. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind, wind, our theme for the weekend, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Well, you're like, you know, everything in church should be orderly, right? Yes, in God's order, not yours. Ha <laughs> ha. And so a wind, of, and not a sweet, gentle wind, a violent wind, is coming through this room, is what the Bible says. And then what happened? Then they saw what seemed to be like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. There's fire in this church, guys. If there was fire in our churches, we'd call the fire department. There was fire on these guys. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. If this would have happened in most of our churches, we would have shut it down, called the fire department, we would have rebuked them all because they were speaking in tongues at the same time, and we would have stopped the beginning of Christendom. So what happens? All of a sudden, Peter, okay, you remember Peter who just ran away from a 13-year-old girl? and betrayed Jesus, and denied Him, and is not sitting by the cross? Look at what happens. Peter stands up in verse 14. I hope you're in chapter 2 still with me. Verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Who was this crowd? They were the crowd that just killed Jesus. Guys, the power of God came on the disciples. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, there's a supernatural boldness on this chicken who runs away from 13-year-old girls. Now he's sitting there. He addresses the crowd boldly. And what does he say? He says, fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken to you by the prophet Joel. This guy who totally didn't get it when Jesus showed up and transfigured. All of a sudden, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, he has all this revelation. Huh, this is interesting. He was super bold. All of a sudden he has all this revelation and scriptures making so much more sense to him. Hey, let's keep going on. This might be helpful. Let's keep going. So let's move on to verse 29. Remember how insecure Peter was and he was also always jostling for position? In verse 29 he says, Brother, I can tell you confidently. A lot of us in this room, we're lacking confidence. You're not confident in your faith. Why? Because it's been in your own strength. But when the power of God comes on you, He makes you confident. Not in your own flesh. Not in your own abilities. But in His power. Come on, guys. I'm going to start preaching here in a minute. So look at this. Verse 37. When the people heard this. This is Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So Peter replied, you know, just a sweet reply, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sons, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Look at what happened in the end. Verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. If we want extraordinary fruit, you've got to have extraordinary power. If you want extraordinary fruit, you've got to have extraordinary power. If you want extraordinary fruit, you've got to have extraordinary power. What happens? Let me just tell you a few more things that happened to Peter. Acts chapter 3. This guy that was, was so scared and so chicken and didn't have his theology right and dealt with anger issues and couldn't even stay awake to sleep, all of a sudden he's walking and he sees a paralytic man and the paralytic man asks him for gold. Guys, we're just tearing the blinders off tonight is what we're doing. <laughs> this paralytic man says, hey, do you have, any, you know, do you ha- do you have anything? Do you have any gold? What does Peter say to him? He says, silver, this is Acts chapter 3, silver or gold I do not have. Basically, he was saying, like, if you open my pockets, like, there's nothing in them. Okay, I'm not carrying any silver or gold. Then he says this, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he grabs him by the hand. And so much power flows out of this guy that a paralytic jumps up and starts walking. Then look at what happens in Peter's life in Acts chapter 9. He goes, he sees another paralytic. His name is Aeneas. He goes up and says, Aeneas, rise up and walk. And he starts walking. Then he's like, hey, I'm on a roll. So they they call him and say, hey, there's a woman named Dorcas that died. Bummer that she had that name, first of all. He raises her from the dead, and then he calls her Tabitha. I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of funny. He doesn't, you're not Dorcas. <clears throat> he goes and raises her from the dead. Do you remember Peter of the Gospels? This isn't Peter of the Gospels anymore. This is an all-new Peter. I am the last person that you would have thought in college that would be talking to you about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Right? I just, I wanted to look all together. I wanted to have it all straight and be, and, and I was not the one who was like, I'm okay being a snot cake on the floor. I'm okay speaking in a strange language. I'm okay shaking all over the place. But I was hungry for more of God. And when I sing this song with you, little children are not supposed to be on the street that I think we can't just have religion. We have to have power. That nations should not be killing each other. In my city, people are destroying their lives. And I'll probably tell you more about this tomorrow, but person after person is destroying their mind with drugs. And it's not just good enough to say, go have a nice Bible study. That'll do the trick. Let me finish with this last story, speaking of drugs. I met with this girl uh, the other day. And um, actually the first time I ever saw her, she was at a mental institution. And she had grown up in church. And um, some rough things had happened to her. And uh, she had ended up starting to experiment with drugs to 
cope with her pain. And she started with, you know, marijuana, went to speed and LSD, and ended up with cocaine, became a cocaine addict. So messed up on cocaine that when I met her, she's like, why can't I just party all the time? Why can't I? Why do I have to stop this? I'm like, wow, this girl is messed up. She doesn't even want to stop. She went through not one rehab, not two rehabs, but three rehabs. She had lived on the street. It had ripped her family's heart to shreds. And I had the chance to meet with her one month ago. And I'm sitting down with her, and she's like, I'm so messed up. Why am I so messed up? And I said, well, you know what I'm going to say is the answer. And she's like, I don't believe in Jesus. She's like, I don't believe in him. I'm sure he existed, but he's not the son of God. And I don't believe the Bible. The Bible's not true. It's just some words put together. And I certainly, and she had some choice words to say about the church. And I said, you know what? It's okay. It doesn't really matter what you believe. You know, what are you going to say to a person like that? What are you going to say to a person who's been living on the streets, who's tried to kill themselves numerous times, who the first time you met them was in a mental institution, who just came back from a 90-day rehab and has done drugs again and is going to kill themselves? What do you say? Well, if you just try harder as a Christian, just put your hope in God, sister. So I'm like, are you... How, how about you just let us pray for you? I'm sitting there with Stephanie, my wife. She's like, you can do that, whatever. So we invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come in the room. And guess what, guys? I'm not a professional counselor or psychiatrist. I don't have some trick to walk her out of it. I don't have a clue. I'm just like, come Holy Spirit. You gotta move. And I'm just sitting there quietly. Nothing comes to mind but I'm not going to say something. So I just keep saying, come Holy Spirit, fill this place with your presence. And all of a sudden I have a picture in my mind and I share with her the picture and it brought to mind a memory. And I said, okay, now listen, Jesus was always, whether you think he's real or not, he's always been with you. So I just want you to think about that memory and we're going to ask Jesus, once you close your eyes, she closed her eyes, that we're going to ask Jesus to show himself to you and to speak to you and to tell you what he was doing. And all of a sudden, this girl says, this is what Jesus is saying. She's saying, he's saying this, and he's saying this, and he's saying this. And I'm thinking in my mind, that's pretty good for an unbeliever. <laughs> and she keeps going, and she keeps going. And I finally, she finally stops and I say, okay, I want you to ask Jesus one more thing. I want you to ask Jesus if he has anything else to say to you. And she goes, he says he loves me tears start pouring down her eyes and he says he wants me and I'm like yes <laughs> I said are you ready to give your life to Jesus this is a girl who five minutes earlier said I don't believe in Jesus he was only a man he's not the son of God I don't believe the Bible it's not true it's made up the church is a bunch of hypocrites I hate him I want no part of it she goes yes she goes, I don't know how. I said, say this, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, come into my life. And then I say, are you ready to give him complete control? She goes, yes. I don't know what to say. Say, Jesus, I give you complete control. She prays that. 
She opens her eyes. I'm like, how do you feel? She's like, I have hope. And I go, where is Jesus now? She goes, he is right here living inside of me. I said, what if you go and do drugs again? Is he going to leave you? She goes, he better not. <laughs> she goes, no, he's not going to. And I said, how do you know that? In one instance, the veil was torn from her eyes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I didn't come with wise and I didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We are seeing addicts set free after addicts set free. We're seeing suicidal people get healed and have hope, but it's not through our being goody two-shoe Christians. It's not by just reading another devotional book. It's by being clothed with power from on high. And you need it. You need it. Because this is what God has for every one of his children. He says, I'm hungry, and I want it. I'm hungry, Lord, and I want it. It's the only way to see the lost and dying and broken world changed forever. Will we stand up?